Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Well, once again, church family, uh, my name is Pastor Jake, and uh, um, if, if you don't know me or, or I don't know you face-to-face, um, I, uh, I'm on staff here, I'm one of the pastors, and I came to this church, I got saved at this church about uh, just under 14 years ago. And I grew up and, and went to high school just blocks away from where CT was started, um, not knowing that I would walk in one day and my life would be changed, radically transformed uh, by the love and the gospel of Jesus. And, um, and over, the, the, over time, I've done a little bit of everything here at the church, uh, except lead worship, but um, that time is coming. Um, uh, uh, but it won't be online, so you don't have to, uh, you don't have to worry about the audio on that. Um, I'm so excited to be bringing the word with you t- to you today. Uh, a few, couple months ago, I was talking to Pastor Toledo, and I shared a truth with him, and I was sharing something that was on my heart, and I said, we have to remember um, that there's a faith strategy that God has for his people. If you think about it, that, that rings true in our lives. There's a, there's a faith strategy for, for our work in our career. There's a faith strategy for uh, uh, spiritually in, in all the things that we do and the way that we pursue God. There's a faith strategy for our relationships. And if you think about it, that faith makes all the difference. Oftentimes, it's the missing ingredient for all of those different aspects of life. I mean, you've seen it in, in your relationships. If, if you don't have faith, it looks drastically different than relationships that have faith. And what I was telling Pastor Toledo is that same thing goes for our finances. You see, God has a financial faith strategy for you. And, and the, the different thing about finances is that it's probably the common denominator that we have with the rest of the world because everywhere we look, it talks about finances. It's everything that we, that we look at, everything that we experience, everything from the news that we read to what we're gonna eat tonight to uh, a doctor visit. It, there's always a financial component of it. And, um, and it inundates all of our decisions, all of our thoughts, everything that we do on a day-to-day basis. But, some, but, but whenever finances are brought up, we start to get a little tense. You notice that? And so... Wherever you're at in your living room or, or if you're in your kitchen or wherever you're, you're watching this or, or listening to this, take a deep breath. We're going to talk about finances, um, but this is, not, this is not Pastor Jake's financial plan and strategy. This is not Chicago Tabernacle's financial plan and strategy. This is God's financial plan and strategy. You see, if, see the, the, uh, we, don't, we don't realize it a lot of times, but a lot of times... God talks about finances a lot more than anything else in the Bible. Randy Alcorn makes the, the observation that, that there are more verses in the Bible than prayer and faith combined. In the, the gospel and the teachings of Jesus, he talks about finances 15% of the time, more than any other subject. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables are about what? Finances, wealth, money. And so today, I want to talk about financial faith. And 
Again, take a deep breath. You don't have to, um, this is not, we can get tense when we talk about finances. You ever notice that, that if, if uh, somebody asks you how much you make or, or sometimes you hear about how, how much something costs and it gives you sticker shock, uh, we can get tense when it comes to finances, but God talks about finances so much in the Bible. How many of you know we should, we should be listening when he talks about it? It shouldn't be something that, that we skirm away from. We should say, God, what is your financial strategy? What is your financial plan for our lives? And so uh, with that, I wanna read, um, there's a lot in the Bible about finances. I wanna read three quick passages, two from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Uh, the first one is from Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, and it says this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will what? Will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 3 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. That's, what, that's why we take an offering. We say, God, we want to honor you with our wealth. With the first fruits, not the last fruits, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And then last one, Matthew 6, it says this. I love this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One more time, wherever you're at, I wanna pray, but put your hand on your heart. Say, God, we open our hearts to you today. We say, search our hearts. Search what our, where our treasure and our focus is today, oh God. Lord, we want you to, to bless our finances, but Lord, to do so, oh God, we wanna adopt your financial faith strategy. We wanna know what you have to say about it, oh God. So God, align ourselves with you, oh Lord. We love you and we praise you. Speak to us in this way, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, you know, like I said, I was, I was talking to Pastor Toledo and I said, I said, man, our, our people need this. I said, I've been praying for our people. I, was, um, I told him that I, I had met with somebody who was um, contemplating these big decisions in their life. And one of the, the, the factors that came into it was, was their finances. They said, I, I, I'm just too strapped. I need to change and I need to do this and this and this. And then, and then as we started to pray, two days later, a miracle happened and all of those, those circumstances were adjusted. And what it made me realize is that, yes, like I said, God has a, has a financial faith plan. God has a strategy. God has a plan that includes faith for our finances. But here's the thing. The whole world has a plan for our money. The enemy has a plan for our money too. I mean, look. The world has a plan for your finances. And if you think about it, anytime you open Instagram or Facebook, there are opportunities for people to, to get your money. Bills come in the mail. And, and sometimes, sometimes that bill, you think it's gonna be $80 and somehow that internet bill just creeps up to 100, 110, 120 every month. And you're like, wait, but every part of the world has a plan for your money. And if you don't have a plan, they're just gonna take that. Satan has a plan for your finances as well. You know that, that verse in Matthew 6, it says, 
um, where thieves come in and steal, that word thief is the same word that's used in John 10.10 when it talks about the thief comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, talking about Satan. And that word thief in the Greek, in the Greek is klepto. It's klepto, and that's where the word kleptomaniac comes from. The enemy is a kleptomaniac. He's always reaching. He's always trying to steal. He's always trying to take something that's not his. But then God has a plan for your finances. And what I want to exhort to you today is make sure that your plan doesn't align with the world. Make sure that your plan doesn't, doesn't allow Satan to come in and steal it. But make sure that your plan aligns with God's. You see, anytime that, I'll put it this way, we're vulnerable to the enemy in any area we don't surrender to Christ. So right now you, you, might, you might be saying, I don't, um, I've got, a, I've got a, a hold of my finances. I'm financially literate. I know what I'm talking about. I've got a plan. And make sure that it includes God and make sure that it's God's plan. Because if you don't surrender it to Christ, we know this from other areas of our lives, from relationships, from career, from, from all over the world. If we don't surrender that to God, then we are prone to the enemy slipping in. We become vulnerable. Don't get vulnerable. Start 2021 with God's plan for your finances. We're about to start a, a fast. We're going into a new year. And I wanna say, no matter what 2021 holds, God can keep you, God can prosper you, God can bless you, but your financial faith plan has to, has to include God. It has to, your faith, your, your strategy for your finances has to include faith in it. It's the missing ingredient and without it, it makes all the difference. Financial health, financial security, and financial peace, they all flow from financial faith. The quickest way to financial health is to practice financial faith to actually walk in it. And financial security is not based on how much money we have. You might, I wanna, I wanna talk to you. If you, could, um, you could have a mansion with, with, uh, with ocean shore property. You could have five people in a studio apartment. It doesn't matter whether you have little or you have much. Faith can be in your finances this year and God can prosper you and bless you when faith is included in there. When you insert your faith into finances, I wanna show you just three quick things from those texts that we read that God promises. And you can take this to the bank, God promises. This is not Jake's promise, this is not Chicago Tabernacle's promise, this is a kingdom promise, this is God's promise. Number one, financial faith is generous. Meaning that financial faith, it's, it, when we walk it out, it's generous, but it's also, it's, it's, it's also recognizing that God has been generous to us. See, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Children of God have faith that if they give like their heavenly father gives, he's gonna enable them to give more. See, what that means is you actually believe that giving doesn't mean you have less. Giving means that you're making room for more. How many in 2021, you say, I, God, I wanna make room for more in my life. I wanna make, make room for more, more blessing, more prosperity, but most of all, more of you. Look at, what, look at what the, how the message paraphrases this in Proverbs 11. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I don't know about you, but I want God to expand my life. 
I want God to expand my tent pegs this year. I want God to, to bring me into more blessing. And that's, that's financial, but, but it starts with finances for us because that's something that represents the treasures of our heart. But when we put God first and we're generous in that way, God starts to make every area of our life bigger. I, um, I was thinking and, and praying about a, a friend of mine in the church this week, and I was reflecting on how much God has blessed him in 2020. And I'm like, and you know, he works in an industry that, um, that has been uh, just, just that the industry has just crashed in 2020 because of all that the world's experienced. And yet somehow he's prospered in so many different ways that it's, it's unbelievable. And I was, I was thinking about that and, and, and uh, praying for him. And I thought about what he does, and I didn't put two and two together, but I thought about something he's done the last couple of years, um, right at this time, right at the turn from one year to the next year. And the last two years on, on New Year's Eve or New Year's Eve day or, or a couple days um, uh, in that vicinity, he's done something and he's, um, he's hosted what he calls a, a New Year's prayer brunch. And he's rented out a space, he invites a few dozen of his, of his closest friends and colleagues and some believers, some non-believers. And he said, hey, I wanna, I wanna invite you to join me in bringing in the year the only way that, that I know how, the only way that, that I think is a good way to bring in the new year, and that's by praying. And, and uh, we break bread, and, um, and again, there are believers and non-believers. But people went around the room and they said, you know what, I have this prayer request. People who, who don't believe in God, people who, who haven't gone to church, they said, you know what, I have this prayer request. God, uh, um, and, and he would put a verse to every prayer request on it. And I thought about that, how we started that year and it was so blessed. God's presence was so there. And then I thought about a year later. And I'm like, wow, God's really made his life larger and larger. And it started with a seed of generosity that wasn't all about, um, uh, it wasn't even about an, an offering, so to speak. And we'll talk about that. But it was about, I want to invite people. I want to be generous in my time, in my energy. I'm not going to make them pay for this, this plate at a restaurant. I'm going to cover that. I'm going to invite them in. And then his life got larger and larger. And here's the thing, generosity It's seeing God as generous. See, when you see God as generous, you say, wow, I can't give, I can't, I can't outgive God. So the more that I give, the more he's gonna give back to me. The more that I give, the more he's gonna expand my life. The more that I give, the more he's gonna make room for other things that I didn't even see. See, Ephesians 6, when it, says, when it talks about, or Ephesians 3, when it talks about, um, he's going to give you uh, more than you could, measurably more than you could ever think, ask, or imagine. That's what it's talking about. It's saying when you put God first, he's going to make your life larger and larger and larger. And here's the thing. Not only does God make it larger, but it becomes a testimony to others. See, that friend of mine, every, uh, everybody in his life, they're looking at him and they're saying, wow, he's being, he's, God is so blessing him. And it, it's becoming a testimony for all the people around him. I don't know about you. I don't know. But for me, I want God to grow my life. For 2021, this is not um, 
uh, prosperity gospel. This is not name it and claim it. This is putting God's principles first and letting him work. You see, when I put up, when, when we talked about my pl- uh, uh, the world's plan for our finances, the enemy's plan for our finances, and God's plan for our finances, the world's plan for our finances is so self-reliant. It says, you do this, you do this, and you'll get this. But the, the problem with, with and, and I'm not, um, those are good, good principles to, to take on, and there's wisdom in financial literacy, but those principles, they change every couple generations. Every, all economists, they, they say a new thing every 20 or 30 years. But what God says about finances is rock solid. It has stood the test of time. It's been here since the, the, the foundations of the earth. Some of the first um, uh, chapters in the Bible talks about God's way for our finances. Financial faith is generous. It means that, that we walk in generosity knowing that when we give like God, God makes room for more. In your house, wherever you're at, just know when we, got, when we give God, when we give to God, God makes room for more. Charles Spurgeon said, God gives by the cartloads when we give by the bushels. If we look at the world, last thing, but there, there are tons of sociology and psycho, psychology studies that show that the, the number one indicator of happiness is when people are generous. Wealthy people, they know this. Philanthropy is, is um, all over the world with, with wealthy people, and they testify to the fact that when they give, they feel better. How much more in the kingdom, when we give, our world expands. God literally takes your world. He makes it larger. But the stingy, those who withhold, it gets smaller and smaller. By the way, when you... Um, this proverb, uh, go back and read it, 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. The proverbs, uh, there are different types of proverbs, and this is called a contrasting proverb. And so when you read the proverbs, be, be alert for contrasting proverbs because contrasting proverbs, it, it does this. It shows the way of God and, and the way not of God. The way of, of the righteous, the way not of the righteous. The way of blessing and the way of not of blessing. The way of the good life and the way not of the good life. And right here, it shows us the way of blessing and the way not of blessing. And for me, um, for me, and for you in your home, God's saying, hey, I want what's best for you. I want, I want the way of blessing for you. So there's one way and there's another way. The way the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The way of the, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So one man... One man gives freely and he prospers. Another man withholds and he comes to poverty. When you read that proverb, when you read those contrasting proverbs, pray it into your heart, internalize it, and walk it out in your world every day. Number two, financial faith honors God. This is simple, but look, Proverbs 3, like we read, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Wine in the Bible is a, is a symbol of joy and of fruitfulness. We want new joy. We want new fruitfulness this year. There's a way to honor God with our finances. And this is a base level principle that's all over the Bible. If you honor, if we will honor God with our tithes in every economy, in every circumstance, through every struggle, through every struggle, he literally says, test me in this. 
The only, this is the only place in the Bible that God says to test them is in Malachi 3. Look at Malachi 3. This is what it says about tithing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. This year, God wants to enlarge your world. He wants you to experience the floodgates of heaven. He wants to pour it out on you. And I will pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And then it says this, verse, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. You might say, all right, I'm, I'm about generosity, I'm about giving, but, um, but tithing is in the Old Testament. Well, even in Hebrews, it talked about, it honored Abraham as the, the father of our faith. But in Hebrews chapter seven, it talks about how Abraham tithed. So if he's the father of our faith, how many of you know he should be the father of our financial faith as well? In the Old Testament, yeah, they tithed. In the New Testament, they gave, but they gave, they didn't give 10%, they gave everything. A tithe is, is a tenth. And a tithe is us not giving to God, it's returning to God. See, God gives us, when we tithe, we're saying, God, everything that I have from you, the Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above. He doesn't have to give us that, but he gives it to us. He gives it to us through, through opportunities to work. He gives it to us, to us through, through other people's generosity, through blessings, through, through open doors that we walk through. But God is the provider and the source of all that. And when we tithe, we're saying, God, I honor you as that, You're, and, and I give you the first fruits, right? So here's what tithing means from Malachi 3, from the rest of the Bible. Here's what tithing is. Tithing is our first fruit, not our last fruit. Not our, not our, I'm gonna pay my bills and then I'm gonna wait and see if there's enough. No, no, first fruit. So I get my check, 10% goes right to God. That's what honoring the Lord with your first fruits means. Plus God's fruit. So what does that mean? Malachi 3, it says, bring it to the storehouse. Bring it to the place that, that you're under spiritual covering. Bring it to the place that God has, has, has orchestrated on the earth to work through into your life. It's not about a, a church. Wherever your church home is, that's where you should be tithing. It's not, it's not my fruit, it's God's fruit. So I don't get to choose where that goes to. I don't get to choose um, uh, somebody that I wanna be benevolent to and say, here's my tithe. I don't get to choose an, uh, uh, a separate organization that might do good work and say, here's my tithe. No, no, that's an extra offering. That's benevolence, but your tithe, it goes where? It goes to the storehouse. It's God's fruit. It's not your fruit to choose where it goes. First fruit plus God's fruit. What did we read in verse, in verse 10? I will open up the floodgates of heaven. You'll experience more blessing than you could even keep, than you would know what to do with. More fruit. That's God's promise of blessing, of financial faith for 2021 for you. First fruit plus God's fruit is more fruit. You see, the enemy has a plan for your wallet and for your paycheck. And it's not about robbing you of what you currently have. It's more of robbing you of what God is storing up for you in heaven. He doesn't want you to experience that blessing. I remember the first, you know, I told you, I, I, uh, this was the first church that I came to. I, I didn't grow up in church. Um, and I was searching 
in my life and uh, just under 14 years ago, I had somebody in my life who was, who was witnessing to me and they're inviting me to church. And finally I said, all right, just to get this person off my back, uh, I'm gonna go once. And I was with a friend of mine on a Saturday night and I told him, I said, you know, my friend had grown up in church. He didn't go to church, he wasn't, uh, I wouldn't call him a Christian, but, but he had grown up in church. And I said, you know, I think I'm gonna, then I'm gonna go to church tomorrow. I'm gonna give it a shot. He said, oh, cool. He said, uh, he said, but make sure you bring something. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, for the, for the offering, for the plate or the basket that goes by, you gotta have something, you gotta be ready. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was surprised. Um, I didn't think of that, but on my way to church the next day for the first time, I stopped at an ATM. I grabbed a couple of 20s and I said, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in. And for the next, I don't know, six to eight weeks, that was, my, that was my habit. I would say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it, but it wasn't, it wasn't out of a heart that was believing God. It wasn't out of a heart that was trying to honor God. It was pure, I wasn't even saved yet. It was pure manipulation. It was pure uh, peer pressure. And it was fear of embarrassment. I was like, if anybody looks, I, I don't want them to see me empty-handed. Nobody was looking. But then I remember I got saved. And right after I got saved, this is how I learned about tithing. Right after I got saved, I started to serve in a ministry. And I was serving on the sound team. And we were there uh, to, we, we, were, um, we were renting out a school at the time. And so we were in the auditorium, ready to, to set up all the speakers and the sound system at six in the morning. And one of the brothers that I didn't know him that well, but um, I mean, I was brand new to the church, but he, he, as most of the ministries do here when we gather, they, um, he shared a, a word and he prayed with the team beforehand. And when he shared that day, it was unique that day, but when he shared, he poured his heart out. And he said, you know, I gotta be honest with you guys, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I practiced tithing, but a couple weeks ago, we had so many bills due. We had a, a rough financial few weeks that when I got paid, I was like, you know what? I can't give first this time. I gotta pay my bills and then see what's, what's thereafter. He said, but then I... I read the Bible. I read, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. And I was convicted and I prayed and I said, God, I'm gonna give this to you. And he, he said this, he said, I tithed that week in cash, which I usually don't do because I didn't know if a check would clear. Would clear. He sent in his checks. He was like, I don't know what's gonna happen with those. They're gonna bounce, but God's just gotta figure that out. And as he's sharing, he's testifying and he's crying. He's crying there, not because, not out of, embarrassment or anything out of, the, out of sheer faith, out of uh, sheer appreciation and gratitude for the goodness of God. He says, the day after I tithed, I got a check in the mail from, from one company that said that I overpaid on a, on a bill six months ago. Two days after that, I get a bonus from, from work that I wasn't expecting. A, a couple days after that, uh, a family member comes into a windfall and they just give us a, a financial gift. He said, to, that week, we were in the black further. We were, our financial situation was looking better than it had in over a year. He said, at the beginning of that, we were in the red like we hadn't experienced. As he was crying, as he was, as he was sharing that, I said, oh, that's what it means. And to be honest, I, I even started on my own journey. I was like, I was like man, is that really what it, what it means? And, and a few weeks later, I started to tithe for the first time. And as I started to do that, 
my world, as we shared earlier, it got larger and larger. See, it wasn't just generosity, but I was honoring God with what I had. I was honoring God with what he gave me. And I was in a season of life that, that I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know what God wanted to do with my life. I had a lot of decisions to make. And when I started to tithe, God made all of those decisions clear. I didn't know that I would uh, wind up being on staff at a church. I didn't know I would wind up being in the ministry. I didn't know I'd, I'd wind up being a pastor. But God started to unfold all of those things to me after I started to take that step of obedience. See, I let God into the most... Um, uh, uh, held places of my life and God started to make my life larger and larger. He opened up the floodgates of heaven beyond financial needs in every area of my life. And he wants to do the same for you. When you let God into the deepest parts, he starts to work in the deepest parts. I tested him in it and he opened up the heavens. Test him in it. Test him, take him at his word. Say, God, you said this, I'm expecting you to answer today. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Third thing is this. Financial faith creates treasure in heaven. It creates treasure in heaven. Our treasure should be focused on heaven, not on this earth. I, I heard it said um, by somebody recently, where you stare is where you steer. So what are you staring at today? What tre what, what's your focus on? Is it on things? Is it on material possessions? Because if so, that's where, you'll, that's where you'll steer. You'll start to store up those things and where the Bible says moths and vermin, they can get in, right? But no, if you store up treasures in heaven, they can't get it. The enemy can't steal it. That kleptomaniac is held at bay when you store up treasure in heaven. If you think about it, that's, that's how they... It's how they teach you to drive. Where you stare, you steer. They say, um, you know, occasionally you can glance to the left or the right, but, but keep your eyes ahead because what you're focused on, that's where your direction will be. So when it comes to your finances, what's your focus on? Is it on this earth or is it on heaven? Because I got news for you. What we buy here on earth, we can't take with us. I do this, you know, pre-COVID, I, um, uh, I would travel every so often. And I became an experienced traveler where I got really good at um, getting through security, uh, except for one mistake that I would make every time. And it was a rookie mistake and I would get embarrassed. I would always think ahead and say, you know what? Water in the airport, it's like, it's like five bucks for something less than this. Like, I'm not paying that. I'm gonna buy a nice water bottle. I'm gonna fill it up over and over and, uh, and I'll be hydrated. I won't need to wait for water on the, on the airplane. I'll have what I need. And so I'd say, bring a water bottle. And then I'd say, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna fill it up now. And sure enough, I'd put it in my bag. I'd forget about it, go through security. And what happens? They take my bag, they search it. They say, you can't take this water bottle in with you. Rookie mistake. So they say, you can either get into line again and you can, uh, uh, you can empty this water bottle. You can take the empty water bottle with you and you can uh, go through security again or you can leave the water bottle there. I don't have patience, so I would bite the bullet. And let me tell you, TSA has enough water bottles to fill a department store just for me. 
Every time I would, I would think, oh, I'm gonna take this through. And then guess what happens? I can't take it with me. I'm not saying that, listen, buying possessions and having nice things, that's not evil, it's not sinful. I'm just warning you, you can't take it with you. I love, I love shoes, I love sneakers. I have too many uh, to tell you, I'm embarrassed. But guess what? God doesn't care about my sneaker collection. God doesn't care about our cars. God doesn't care about the addition of our house, on our houses. They're nice, they're great, cool. God's blessed you, you know, have something nice, but, but you can't take it with you. The same embarrassment I had when I would get through security, when we say, God, look at what I have, he's gonna, he, we're gonna feel embarrassed. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Not beautiful are the feet of those who drive a nice car, who have an addition on their house, who have a big sneaker collection. No, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Beautiful are the feet of those whose eyes are on him, whose focus is on him, who store up treasure in heaven. When your treasure's in heaven, your source comes from heaven. See, and when our, here's what, here's what heavenly treasures look like. They're secure. Like I said, that kleptomaniac, he can't get in. It's protected. But treasures in heaven. I recently, a couple months ago, my car was stolen. And it was, I didn't leave the keys in there. I wasn't neglectful. Somebody hacked my car. They took it. I was upset about my car. I was most upset about my golf clubs in there. But guess what? If those are my real treasures, I'm in trouble. I had to check myself. I got angry one day. And I said, I said man, I, I need that stuff. What, what's going on here? And then God checked me. He said, that's not your real treasure. I'll work all that stuff out. That's not your treasure. But if that's my treasure, my world would be destroyed. Where's your treasure today? Your treasures in heaven, they're secure. Your treasures in heaven, they're compounding. They're compounding. They're gaining interest over time. There are things in, in heaven that you've stored up that God's doing things that you don't even realize is happening. I remember when I, when I came to church and I got saved, the, the woman who witnessed to me and brought me to church, she told me, I didn't know what this meant at the time, but she said, you've given your heart to the Lord. She said, I've got treasure in heaven waiting for me because of that. Guess what? Anything that comes out of my life, positive, anything that comes from my life that glorifies God, she gets treasure in heaven for that. But the stuff that we store up on earth, it doesn't count. We can't take it with us. Treasures in heaven are released in God's timing. So sometimes we say, God, where's the return on investment in this? God has an eternal return on investment. Some of us, we won't see it until we get to heaven. For some, of those, for some of those seeds that we sow. It might, but it'll be waiting there. Eternity, people's eternity can be changed by your financial faith. Here's an example. Here's what I mean. There's a missionary. His name is Roland Bingham. In 1893, he and, and two other guys, they went out to Sudan. They felt called from Canada to, go to be missionaries in Sudan. They get there. And now that they're in Sudan, they wanna go into the interior to unreached people groups. And the other missionaries there, they warned them. They said, don't do it, don't do it. And so they wanted to do it, but the thing is they were struggling financially. 
they didn't know if they had the, the means to even get in there. And it wasn't super expensive, but they had already given up everything that they had just to get to Sudan. So as they're praying about this, they receive an unprompted gift of $300, which is $12,000 in today's money from the will of Mary Jones, a housekeeper. They didn't know who she was. They get this check that was supposed to go to Sudan to these missionaries that she heard was going there one day. She, this was in her will. She passed away and it goes to them. They get this check right when they need it. So then they take the check. They, they get the supplies that they need. They traverse into the inner part of Sudan they come back and only Roland Bingham survived. The other two got diseases and they passed away. So here's what Mary Jones, the person who, who gave it, here's what her estate, here's what the people, um, her family could have said is, that investment was a waste. That treasure, it didn't amount to anything. That return on investment was zero, it was paltry. It wasn't worth it. Here's what they did. They, they used it to go on a, on a trip and two of them died. What good is gonna come from this? What they didn't know is that today, 125 years later, that one mission, Roland Bingham would, would continue to go into this, to the interior of Sudan and, and give the gospel and evangelize and reach unreached people groups. And now that organization, it was, it's called SIM, S-I-M, Sudanese uh, Interior Mission. They're not just reaching the Sudanese. They have, they've sent 7,000 missionaries to over 70 countries. That seed that they said, you know what? That reward didn't matter. There was no reward there. She had no clue. Her, her family, her estate, the ones who actually sent the check just by being obedient to her will, they had no clue the riches, the rewards that came in heaven. Imagine how many people have been reached and saved from those, from those missionaries that have been sent out because of Roland Bingham's audacious faith and his courage because of Mary Jones saying, I know that there's financial, when I put financial faith into practice, I know that there are rewards for me. Last thing, and, and then I'll close. We try to, we store up these things in heaven. And um, I, was, uh, I was with some close friends of mine recently. And, um, and one of, it was, it was one of their birthdays. And they sang happy birthday. People prayed for him. And he, he looked up at the people in the room and, and he said, if I have any treasures in heaven, they're because of you guys. They're because of the people in this room. It told me that this person was aware of, of the generosity of the people around him, but of the, the eternal investments that take place when we live in community with the people of God. It told me that he had his priorities in place. It, it encouraged me, but it challenged me. You know, we think about wealth, we think about accumulating things. Um, I heard, I heard Jay-Z say this. He said, take it from somebody who's grow, who grew up in the projects and from who, who's become a billionaire. There's no connection between wealth and happiness. So when you think about your financial plan and your financial future, nice things are great, but just remember, you can't take them with you. They don't produce happiness. No, like that, like that friend of mine 
There are treasures in heaven and what we do, it can count or it cannot count. Make your life count today. Make your life count this week. Make your 2021 count. Not for, not for your bank account, not for your investment fund, for eternity. Make it count. And so I wanna close just with this one verse and then I want us to close in prayer. Bible says in, in Luke, it's another thing that Jesus says and he promises. Remember, I, I'm showing this to you so that you know the promises that God has for you when it comes to your finances. Give and it will be given to you. At good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you see, it will be measured to you. Listen, I wanna close. We're gonna, we're gonna sing for a moment and then we're gonna pray. But this is a promise. This is God's promise. I, I told you before, this is not Pastor Jake's promise. This is not Chicago Tabernacle's promise. This is God's financial plan for your life. Financial faith can take root in your life and you can walk in financial faith this year. Like that contrasting proverb, your life can look like this, or your life can look like that. Let your life be blessed this year. Don't let the enemy come in and don't let the kleptomaniac uh, grab at you. Don't let, him, don't let him sow seeds of doubt that says, no, you can't have the good life if you give because then you'll have less. No, God wants to give you more this year. God wants your life to grow larger and larger. I'm here to tell you that giving generates the good life. So come on, close your eyes with me. Reach your hands wherever you're at, in your living room, in your, if you're in your kitchen, if you're in your dining room, Wherever you're watching or listening to this, whether you're alone or you're with your family or with friends, reach your hands up to heaven. Say, God, I, I take my hands off of my finances. I take my hands off of my treasures. I release them to you, oh God. I want you to be a part. I believe that you can do more when you're in it than, than I could do with more of it, oh God. You can do more with my less than I could do with more, oh God. I release it to you, Jesus. Hallelujah.